Hello and welcome back to The First Heretic. You're here today with me and with Austin and we just jump right in to the last episode here. And the part we're talking about here is the Orgel Depression because I did not know what a depression is. Yeah, yeah. Depression is sort of like any sort of like lowering of the ground. But, but wouldn't that be a valley? No, because a valley is very... Like, one, a valley is in between hills, normally. So... That would be a schlucht. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think a lot of people know. It's fun, though. Um, but yeah, a valley... And a valley tends to give you the idea of something that's, like, longer than it is wide. Right? Because it's dead, like, between mountains or something. A depression is more... Like, it's more circular, I guess, and it's more for flat ground. Like, if the area is pretty, like, level and then there's a dip, that's a depression. Whereas if it's, like, hills or mountains or kind of rolling terrain, it's not going to be a depression. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, in the Urgle Depression... Uh, the next bit is kind of the part we all know, right? Um, it's talking about Korax and Ferris and how they're finishing beating the shit out of people and are now, you know, the traitors are on the run a little bit, but Angron's still doing his thing and nobody knows where Horus is. No, 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 I know where Horus is. Well, he's watching, right? But he's not like in the fight. Yeah, it's fair. He's just watching, laying back. Lazy piece of yeah. wolf. He's also wolf. Yeah, there we go. He's the lesser wolf. He is the first wolf. Yeah, but it was a shitty nickname for him. <laughs> they actually mention it in uh, um, book seven when they're talking about like the pre-space pre wolf space wolves. And like how they start getting the moniker Space Wolf and like, oh, it sort of annoyed Horus because these guys obviously were better wolves than the Luna wolves. Yeah, because it's so great to be a wolf. I mean, if you're going to be named after an animal. Bears. Bears are awesome. Uh, bears are lazy. Excuse me. There's a reason nobody wants to play the Space Bears. Although there is a Legio Ursus I found out a little bit ago, which is very exciting. There we go. Ursus, the cave bears. Yeah. You don't want to be mad. You don't want to have a mad cave bear, do you? Well, no. but, 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 that doesn't matter, I guess. Although in English, we call them short-faced bears, the like massive cave bears. And that's really not as an intimidating name either. No, we just call them cave bears. Yeah. Much better name. Hulembeer. Regardless. Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of a basic overview of like, look at the first wave go. Uh, and then the second wave, you know, starts coming down and the traders already on the ground begin withdrawing. Uh, and then it flicks you over to Argel Tall. And he kind of, you know, he gets down. He kind of takes a look around, sees it like, hey, everybody's, you know, the Night Lords are moving ahead. The Iron Warriors are setting up field fortifications. Uh, the first groups of loyalists are starting to come back and he winds up 
uh, being closest to the Raven Guard that are withdrawing. Oh, yeah. And then the problems, well, they don't quite begin yet. Uh, then it jumps over to Dagotal, who is, uh, if you remember earlier, the I think he's just a sergeant, right? Uh, he's also a girl of Warbeck. Yeah. And he right. rides a motorcycle? Yeah, he's got a jet bike. Yeah, jet bike. There we go. He's a biker. Yeah, he's got some outriders. And he is also very excited to murder the shit out of people. Of course. If it's your religion to do this stuff, then you will absolutely be excited. Yep. And it's sort of just building. Like, there's a few pages of just, like, everybody's ready. Everybody's ready to go. There's even a countdown. Argel Tall's giving the countdown. Yeah. Argel Tall, you know, 60 seconds, 30, 20, 10. And every time he's counting down, thousands of warriors are answering because they actually know what's going on. They know. Yeah. They are ready and they're waiting. <laughs> they're real excited for it. Yeah. Uh, and then... There's the Raven Guard. Poor Captain Torsan of the 29th Company of the Raven Guard yeah. is like, Hi, Argyle Tall. Thank God you're here. Brothers, this is amazing. Good hunting. Glory the word bearers. Glory to the Emperor. And Argyle Tall doesn't respond. And Torsan's just like, Brother? Question mark? What are your plans for the assault? And, uh... Yeah, he gets a short flashback. Yeah, he gets a short flashback of him being taken uh, by Erebus, actually, mm -hmm. when he was just a little boy. So flashes back to, you know, his his selection to be an aspirant of the Legion. Yeah, last uh, time he saw his family. Like, last time he saw his family, he remembers his four older sisters, uh, remembers his youngest sister's name, which is... Kind of unusual for Space Marines. He remembers her f the oldest sister, too. Oh, yeah. Dumara. Yeah, it, it's she, weird. Yeah, she, it's, it's a nice tidbit because she kept telling him every day that he's good for nothing, but she's crying. She's really sad that he's leaving. Yeah. Yeah, and it is something that's norm normally burned out of a Space Marine. Like, they just, especially one, you know, Argel Tall has been doing this for, what, at least a century, probably, maybe even longer, uh, they don't remember like the names of parents and sisters and friends or any of that. I mean, there's no reason for you. Yeah, even a normal like six or eight-year-old, you know, if they're removed, you know, you have a six or eight-year-old kid and he moves, right? He won't remember the names of his friends for the most part. You know, two years later, let alone, you know, hey, name all your first grade classmates Right now, Caro, can um, you do any of them? Yes, I can. <laughs> a couple? All right. Give it give it another century. Yeah, let's see if we... We're going to get there with technology. But yeah, yeah. He's going through a whole flashback. And he is saying, forgive me, whispering. Yeah. And then he just... Because he's still got that trinket, doesn't he? Oh, he still has a trinket, yeah. Yeah, he's still got the trinket. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I think I have described it earlier. It is um, some teeth of wild dogs. And every few years when the leather rots, he's just pulling it on a new string and taking it with him. Yeah, you know, he's a little sentimental. He but, so he goes, he goes, forgive me, 
And the Raven Guard's like, what? Does yeah, he's just kind of like, what? Didn't quite catch that. And then Argel Tall's next words are, "All word bearers open fire." And uh, well, that doesn't. Like, it goes about as you'd expect. Yeah. He uh, doesn't die instantly. He has enough time to realize that the Raven Guard is betrayed. Yeah, Torasan isn't actually annihilated. Yeah. Uh, his sergeant, it doesn't It doesn't clearly state, but maybe his sergeant stepped in front of him or something. Because uh, it mentions that he pushes the body of his sergeant away. True. Um, so, obviously, he caught a whole bunch of fire meant for the captain. Um, but, yeah, that... It's a massacre, as you would expect. They're sandwiched. Yeah. They're they're trapped. They were surprised. They were like a foot away when the word bearers opened fire. It all goes to shit. Yeah, they come out of the war tired or out of the fire tired and trying to resupply, get have a catch a nice break. Nope. There they are, backstabbers. Also this part is why I really like Argatol. He has remorse. He does do. He still does it, which makes him a pretty bad person, but a very good space marine because you know. Yeah, they got one job, and it's to do what they're told. Exactly, do what Daddy tells you. But yeah, he is probably one of the the very few, not even word bearers, but just like traitors, opening fire at this moment that isn't all about it. Yeah, I can't think of any other, honestly. Real trader who didn't want to be in this. Maybe Karn? I don't know. Yeah, Karn probably would have been happy to not, but Karn was so busy nursemaiding Angron that, like, what are you going to do? And to be fair, usually they lost their mind at that point in time anyway, so it didn't make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Even he lost his mind. Quite a bit. He gets better. Yeah, let's talk about another time. There are good <laughs> books about that. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to Betrayer. It'll be fun. Yes. Uh, so after this like initial uh, murdering at the hands of Argeltal, uh, we flick back to Corferon, who is hanging out and just kind of watching because God forbid he do anything useful in a battle. Uh, he's right there with Erebus and Lorgar, yeah. uh, just kind of watching the opening salvos, uh, murdering the Raven Guard and the Salamanders. And Lorgar can see Fulgrim and Ferris having their duel uh, kind of in the distance, which mm -hmm. is kind of interesting because he's just sort of like, he seems very uncaring about the actual results of the duel while he's there watching it. He's just sort of like, yeah, I never really knew, like I wanted to be buddies with them, but... You know, Fulgrim thought I was a failure. Ferris Manus is sort of, eh, like, not really my cup of tea. I wasn't his cup of tea. This is sort of a shame. But he has another flashback with fond memories of his brother Ferris. Well, fun. <laughs> yeah, having an argument with Ferris because Ferris can't make anything that isn't supposed to blow something else up. Yeah, well, he made a, what was it, a crozier? Yeah, and it was real rude. Yeah, I mean, Narum. Like, Lorgar's being all bitchy about it. Bitchy? I mean, uh, it seems like he doesn't just doesn't know what to do for it. Yeah, and then Ferris gives him uh, Illuminarum, the big crozius mace that uh, Lorgar runs around with. And Ferris is just like, yeah, don't break it. And, like, 
don't even bother saying thanks because yeah, just just leave. We have nothing but awkwardness to share, and Lorgar just leaves. He was good at listening sometimes. Sometimes. Hey, hey, hi. I, I I keep telling you he did not. Well, nobody told him to not do what he did before. But before they destroyed and blew everything up. But you know. No, no, I fully, I fully support that. They didn't know what they, well, nobody told them not to, right? They had the general, yeah, we have the imperial truth here, but nobody stopped him. Like the emperor came down and was like, Laura was like, hey, God, look at this planet that I have to worship you, God. And the emperor just kind of rolled with it. Yeah. Like a five minute discussion would have saved all of these problems. Yeah, but you know, he's. I don't think the Emperor is interested in talking. No, he's really not. Apart from he wants his tool working. Well, well. Yeah, he he doesn't want to have to coax his Primarchs into doing what he wants any more than I want to coax like a wrench into doing what I want. I just want it to work. Yeah, but I think Lorger was a pretty bad wrench. Yeah. Uh, so then it flashes back to the battle, and this flashback. Suddenly, Lorgar's having second thoughts, which, again, like... He's weak. It's happening. Like, the massacre is happening. His troops have opened fire on loyalist forces. It's too late. Even if he magically, like, had the word bearers join the Imperial troops and turn on all the traitors, they're not getting out of there. Like, they would just be annihilated. So it's too late. Like, he's in too deep. Uh, he's not ordering the attack. Corferon starts, like, yelling at him about, like, you've got to order the attack. Like, this is this is the whole plan. What are we doing? Uh, and Lorgar's just, like, starts blaming Erebus and Corferon? This was not my design, and you know it as well as I. Like, yeah, you didn't even plan it yourself. You had your underlings, well... You suppose that underlings do it for you? Uh, absolutely. <sighs> like, congratulations. You were manipulated. Absolutely. But yes. it's a little late. Too like. little, too late. <laughs> I also like the fact that Corferum keeps calling him boy. Right? <laughs> like, like Corferon, you're not even a space marine. You shouldn't be talking to a Primarch like that. But Lorgar listens to him. Of course he does. He's, he's, uh, I don't know what he is. And then Corferon, like Lorgar finally takes umbrage at being called boy by Corferon. Uh, and Corferon's just like, you're my son, not the emperor's. You're bringing hope to mankind. Mm, or fucking up everything for literally forever. Well, not for the chaos gods. That's true. Not for the chaos gods. You gotta say a positive, you know? Yeah. But, but that's... Uh, let the let all the primarchs and space marines fight and die. It's fine because we go back to our favorite slime bag. Yeah, uh, the Lorgar finally decides to get his ass in gear, and we go back to a shock, who's still on a ship, uh, and now a little concerned. I think. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't worry about the war. He just worries. He wants to be alive. All the good things. Yeah, he wandered off a little bit ago, if you remember, uh, before the actual battle started to take some really pretty pictures to in places he wasn't supposed to go to become famous. 
Uh, but now there's a void battle on, and that's starting to freak him out. One, he's lost because he's wandering around where he's not supposed to be. Like he's in the word bearers uh, area of the ship. And uh, two, stuff is happening, right? Like the ship is taking fire. Deeper Fundus uh, loses shields, which is uh-huh. a little unlucky for, you know, a trader ship in this situation. So he's getting kind of slammed into bulkheads with explosions coming in. Uh, some of the bulkheads are sealing, you know, the doors are just shutting because maybe there's a hole breach or maybe just for safety, you know, you shut all the doors on a tube. And if one of them gets blown open, the air doesn't get sucked out of everywhere. Uh, so he's starting to freak out. He's worried he's going to get caught. He's worried he's going to get killed. He can't figure it out. And, uh, then it just gets worse for him. Yeah. Cause then he starts getting hull breaches in the area that he's actually in. Like there's smoke coming down, uh, emergency lighting comes up and he is fairly confident he's going to die. And, uh, foreshadowing not wrong, but not in the way he thinks. <laughs> you never ha- know how you're going to die. Unless you're Argle Tall. Yeah, Ishak has a bad time, a real bad time, thinks he's gonna die, is sure he's gonna die, and then we go back to Argle Tall, our favorite one. Yes. He is very sure he's not going to die uh, because he has gone full on Galvorbach, like, has claws. Mm-hmm. The good stuff. Butchering his way through Ravenguard. Uh, and he's also realizing that having a demon isn't all, you know, whisperings in your mind and creepiness. Uh, it provides him with some tactical advantages because Rome is now saying things like blade left danger. Kill. A lot of kill. Many Uh, kill. Much kill. Probably a bunch of, a bit of eating. Yep. Uh, so Rome is kind of helping him make his way through this battle, murdering as many Raven guard as possible while avoiding, uh, being killed in turn. And the Raven guard, again, this is, if you're a Raven guard fan, like, you know, right? This is a trap site massacre. Your boys have a bad time. And I don't think there's a single Raven guard that gets mentioned, uh, in the rest of the book that lives for more than two paragraphs. Yeah, honestly, I don't think so either. Well, Korax. That's true. Korax, but he's a Primarch. He doesn't really count. Still, a theory. Anyways, the Galvorbeck, Satan is absolutely ecstatic. He thinks the Galvorbeck are finally awake, but Argotal knows better. Yeah, it turns out that just because you have claws and a demon face... Uh, that matches your own movements on your helmet, you're not as Galvorbach as you could be. Uh, he hasn't yet heard that scream that Raum told him to expect. And they woke up, but are they really awake or are they just in the kind of awesome phase when you're awake but still could sleep if you just close your eyes again? Yeah, they're they're just kind of halfway there. And he is at this point literally ripping space runes and power armor apart with his bare hands. Yeah, it's really graphic and real nasty. No. And he keeps talking to himself. 
No peace amongst the stars. Yeah. Only the laughter of thirsting gods. Yeah, so given, uh, which for those of you that, you know, don't read a lot of 40K Black Library books, those are both lines from the sort of cold open to all of the uh, 40K Black Library books. Kind of like how we have Horace Heresy, It is a Time of Legend, right? The 40K ones have a different one, which ends with that, that there is no peace among the stars, only the laughter of thirsting gods. And what's interesting about these two lines is uh, it's being, it's written like it's being said by both him and Raum. So when Raum is talking, uh, you get kind of a bold, like it's bold and italicized. And obviously Argyll Tall is just kind of regular font. Uh, and these are half and half. I have to point it out again. Audiobook. Real good audiobook. Yeah, you, you keep talking about it. I'm going to have to get it now. Yes. And everybody's having a good time. Well, all the Galvorbach are having a good time. They're howling. It's doing good. Argel is howling loudest of all. And then a shadow of great wings eclipses the sun. The prophecy. Just as that old... <laughs> gypsy lady told us about are you saying rom is an old gypsy lady now <laughs> no it's a quote from archer oh it's like just like that old gypsy woman said um totally sidetracked now all right i'm back in it uh it's korax spoiler alert of course it is and he's not just korax he is um <laughs> He's anger. He's not anger and not rage. He is wrath in physical form. Because, fair, your brothers just betrayed you and are currently killing all of your sons and all the legion you love. Yes, he's wrath. Like, you know you've lost this fight. There's no way to come back. It's just how hard are you going to die? How many can you save? And it turns out that Korax uh, can die pretty hard. And it's just butchering his way through the Galvorbach. You mean kill and, real hard, huh? Yeah, kill real hard. Like, he doesn't even die. We know this, right? You've, exactly. you've been around the heresy long enough to know that Korax makes it out of this. And it just goes, like, it starts going to shit a little bit for Argel Tall and the word bearers, because naturally uh, a Primarch will tip the balance no matter where you are. So all of the Galvorbach just sort of turn on Korax and charge him and it doesn't go well like no the first one is annihilated without Korax even looking around at him like that's how good a Korax is uh and you know Argaltal is running over and Raum says we die in the shadow of great ring great wings and Argaltal is like yeah I know and uh, makes the jump. He's just ready to die, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure he thinks that this is probably an excellent way to go out. You know, he's not probably feeling too great about himself. He's going to do the job, but he would rather not finish the job. Uh, and yeah. being butchered by Korax is a great way to not finish that job. Yes, he's just a tragic figure. Meanwhile, back to Logar, because, you know, he's just watching. He actually tried to kill some... Ravenguard. Yeah, yeah. He's, Take he's careful note here. Bit. Take he's... careful note here. This is the one time Lorgar strikes does anything useful. He kills a couple of space marines. 
Yeah, he feels bad about it. He doesn't want to kill. He do- well, he doesn't want to fight. He's there for religion. He's there to lead the emp, the new empire. But he actually does something, and Corfarin gives him shit the whole time because he doesn't really do it efficient. You can see it's like half-hearted. And uh, Logar is also worried about his brother because Corax is not running away, what he would clearly do. No, Corax is trying to save his legion, trying to get as many out as possible. He's going to where they're really getting killed and try to make the difference. Yep, and I mean, if Argel Tall's view is anything to go by, he is, you know, not turning the tide, but certainly he goes wherever the Raven Guard are getting murdered the most and uh, stops that. Mm-hmm. And it makes Lorgar sad. He's killing so many of us, Lorgar says, like you're supposed to do other things in a war. Corfarin, on the other hand, he knows. He knows. So your deeds are obtained in these, on these killing fields. You must not face your brothers yet. It is fate. We play our destiny parts as the Pantheon wills it. <laughs> it's fate because Lorgar's a little bitch and would get raffle stomped. Yeah, he would not stand. Raffle stomped by any of the loyalist primarchs, let alone the ones that are here. And yeah, kill the Raven Guard. This is what you are here to do, boy. Yeah, kill the kids. Don't don't go for the adult. He's gonna beat you up. Kill the kids. Yeah, ah. shit, that guy might, you know, has a fair fight, and fair fights are for suckers. Exactly. That that oof. But for once, Logger has a backbone and actually stands up to Korax. Well, stands up, goes and tries to prevent all of his favorite sons getting killed by Korax. Yeah, and it's funny because he, he says, you know, I'm doing it. My life is my own. And Corfaron just straight up says, he'll kill you. No. Yeah, and he says, my death is my own as well. Which is true, but come on, good. Come on. Come on. I mean, everybody needs a pithy fa- phrase when they're going to their own death. Uh, but I do think it's funny that Corfaron's just like, he'll kill you. And you could read that as Corfaron having some, like, you know, paternal instinct over Lorgar. Like, oh, I don't want my kid going off to get killed. No. But exactly, Caro. Exactly. Yeah, Corfaron doesn't have feelings. He has plans and he needs Lorgar. And that's all he cares yeah. about, I'm pretty sure. 100% agree. Don't let it fool you. Corfaron just doesn't want Lorgar killed before he's supposed to be. Exactly, before the gods need him or something, I don't know. Yeah. Lorgar goes ahead, tries to go again um, against Corex. Those names are killing me sometimes. <laughs> and he uses his psychic power. All the psychic power he normally cannot use or is just coming and going, doing weird stuff. He's getting a bit of access to it. He screams. And his mind screams? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, he yells mind bullets. And uh, that is apparently the thing that the Gal Vorbach were waiting for. Well, Korax also cries. So I think this cry of Korax and Logar, this is it. This came to voice. It's yeah, the cry the- of the gods we have both been waiting for. And yes, there we go. They then he becomes a full Gal Vorbeck. Yep, and it does. Uh, like he tries to fight it a bit. Yeah, do he not thinks he's gonna die. He doesn't want to fight. Yeah, like Raum wants him to be to release him. And uh, Argel Tall. Let me ascend. 
Yeah. Release me. And Argel Tall closes his eyes and Raum opens them. And yeah, graphic description of our dear new Argel I think I liked the one before more. Yeah, I'm I'm generally a fan of sentient beings without cloven hooves or claws with too many joints. I'm not even entirely like you yeah, there's something unsettling about a claw with more than one joint. I don't know what they're doing. It's weird. Knuckly spines, dense bone ridges through the armor. It's yeah. just it's even taller than Astarte. Yeah, legs jointed the wrong way, but Ugh. still somehow in the power armor. It's your classic demon transformation. It's unpretty. It's not supposed to be pretty. It's not. And yeah, he has he has horns. There's just everything. It's a bit of the devil with all kinds of weird demon stuff you can think about. But you can still tell where he's from because still around his eye hole there's just a rated sun. Yep. Just in case you were wondering who that big demon is. Mm-hmm. It's the Crimson Lord. Uh, and then we leave. We leave Raum uh, in Argaltal's body because that's probably the best way to describe it now. In their body? <clears throat> I don't know. Their body, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Realm is driving right now. Realm is definitely in the driver's seat, and he has certainly adjusted the seat settings. Oh, yeah, he did. Isn't it the worst? It really is. Uh, and we go back I'm, to Ishak. Yeah. And man, if he thought he was having a bad time before, he's having a real bad time now. Yeah, he just makes it through a bulkhead door before it slams shut in front of him. He's running. He doesn't know where he's going. There's sirens. There are lights. He's full-blown panic and has no idea where he is. He's just lost. And then yep, just there is it. Four other soldiers. Well, one. Three are dead. Mm -hmm. And one wants help. Yeah. But not, like, that kind of help. He wants a mercy shot. Yeah, shoot me, you stupid best. And Ishak doesn't even know how to use a gun. Yeah, he does the embarrassing, all right, fine, I'm going to shoot you, puts the gun to his head, and doesn't know that safety. the safety is on or how to turn it off. And then, oh God, this poor guy just laying there in pain trying to get a mercy shot, and then he has somebody who even has to explain how to take safety off. Oof. Yeah, it's just not a good way to go. It is not at all. But he got it. Ishek got what he wanted. Yep. He shoots the guy, uh, shoots a keypad for a door he can't get through, and gets into the wrong room. Uh-huh. And it's a real weird room. Yeah, it's full of the stink of unwashed flesh. Sign uh, pressure, obscenance, or biological origins. It's just a bad room. Bad room to be in, but he gets people. Yeah, there are voices, voices. mumbling. Yeah. It's not great. But apparently it makes, a, it makes a hell of a picture because he just starts taking photos and thinks, man, this is going to make my name. Bro, you are in the middle of a battle, have wandered into a room that is so deeply unsettling you don't have words for. Picture time. Yeah, leave. Shit. 
I tell you, this is this is he's an Instagrammer. Yeah, like he he thinks he's going to get his invite to Fire Festival off of this one. I tell yeah. you what. And this at last was the image for him, and we leave him again. Oh, I hate this sometimes so much. There we are finally at some interesting spots, and it just keeps swapping around. Cliffhangers. Right? It's <sighs> it's just like a million tiny cliffhangers in every friggin' chapter. It is. But it is a page turner. Tell you what. Yeah. This is friggin' ADB knows how to keep you entertained. That's good stuff. And yeah, it's we go back to Logar, and Logar is just contemplating what he has done because Corex actually knows what the heck he's doing. Well, Logar doesn't know what he's doing. He's just trying to survive. Yeah, it, it drops you off straight into the two of them having a duel, uh, presumably to the death. Uh, and Lorgar seems to be getting the worst of it. Yeah. Which shouldn't surprise anybody because it's Lorgar. Yeah, Korax Car tries to get some answers. He's up, of course, he's mad as heck. He tries to, f mm -hmm. he's he's a poor reflection of the father everything is war and he Logar just keeps telling I'm bringing the truth to your humanity and of course Korax doesn't want to hear it nobody wants to hear it he's betraying them and yeah. he doesn't get it yeah nobody wants to hear I'm bringing the truth to humanity no Logar you're fucking everything up no no you're just killing they a bunch they yell about that yeah <laughs> Lorgar says, I've seen our father, a bloodless corpse, enthroned upon gold and screaming into the void forever. Which technically is the future. Now. None of these people seem to, be, like, understand that demons lie. You notice that? I mean, he said the truth. But just you know, he needed to do all the things in order to make it true. Yeah. Korax is getting ready to kill Logar, has the claw to the face of him, starts crying. He's cry he's screaming and he doesn't do anything. Yeah, Logar just takes it. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna die." Logar's just like, "Do it, do it." Uh, he lied to and us. Father lied. Yeah, that, oh, no. that matters like while you're currently like getting Corferon killed. isn't, yeah. If only. He just keeps screaming to do it. He tells Corex to do it. Kill me, kill me, do it. But no, no. In what I can only assume is his best Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. You know, do it. Do it now. Now you really confuse me, man. But yeah, he, he doesn't get uh, to you. Amazing because. that you don't know all of my like 80s American cultural references, Caro. It's right? like you're from another country. Jesus. Especially, man, 80s. If it's not David Hasselhoff, you don't care about the 80s. Huh? I also don't know yeah, David Hasselhoff, man. It's fair. I'm, I'm too close to the 2000s. But Cordex doesn't get to kill Logar, and we're all real sad about it. Because nope. another horrible Primark comes along. Shorty, Kurs, Kurze, Kurs? Yeah, Kurs saves him. Yep. It's great. And Korax, having not got a straight answer out of Lorgar, decides Conrad Kurs is the one he should ask. Why have you done this? Uh, and Kurs just doesn't even answer him. He looks at Lorgar in one of my favorite lines in this whole book, goes, looks at Lorgar and says, rise from your knees, you accursed coward. Yeah, with the disgust Britain playing across his carcass face. Like, Horse is already having a bad time in general, 
and he still has only this cast left for Lorgar. <laughs> you are the foulest weakling I have ever seen, Lorgar. <laughs> Again, in the middle of a fight with another Primarch, he takes time out of his busy day to make sure Lorgar knows he thinks he's a piece of shit. Yeah, and while while he is mad talking at Lorgar, Korax uses this moment to just get away because he's smart. Yeah. Because uh, even even if Logar is not very useful, Logar and Kurs at the same time, mm, no. No. Yeah. And it's interesting because we find out, well, we they they go into this this duel again from uh Korax's side in Deliverance Lost, and there's a really interesting oh. like thought process uh that Korax goes through. Um, but I won't really get into it here because no, no, we, I didn't read the book yet, so we're gonna yeah, wait no, for that. No, no spoilers. Yeah, it's a good one. I enjoy that. Like, Deliverance Lost is a solid one. Also, I, I think it's it is probably. I mean, every recommendation you gave so far is good. But you heard um, it here first. Yeah, Logar. Logar says thank you to Curse, and Curse is just or thank you, Conrad, and. Yeah, he's just useless. Course tells him to go back, killing Astartes with your pretty hammer. Yeah, and interestingly, he just like Kurz says that Lorgar is rancid with corruption. Uh, the Night Lords never really went in big for like the Chaos Gods. Uh, certainly not at this point in the Heresy. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's interesting that even now, like you know. Essentially, day one of these guys being official traitors, uh, Kurz doesn't really like what he sees in his allies. And that will come back to bite several people as time goes on. I mean, to be fair, I don't think anybody liked anybody in the whole heresy. They just went together because they had to. Yep. But hey, there's a happy ending here. Logar gets Argatol back. Yeah, he, you know, saved Argyll Tall from essentially committing suicide by Primarch mm -hmm. uh, and sends him off to go, you know, murder anybody else he can find. And well, my son. Uh, and then it kind of zooms back out a little bit through Argyll Tall's perspective because uh, Argyll Tall is sort of running around murdering folk and you yeah. get the vision of, you know, all the Thunderhawks that are on the ground for the Raven Garden Salamanders are just being annihilated by the Iron Warriors, so they can't get away. Um, you know, some of them manage to escape, but most of them are annihilated. Word bearers and Night Lords are kind of bitching that Iron Warriors are shooting down, you know, Raven Guard Thunderhawks, which then crash into Word Bearers and Night Lords. And the Iron Warriors response is <laughs> to Corferon bitching about it is have faith, Word Bearer, and then just <laughs> hanging up, which is great. It is great. <laughs> bit more talking oh yeah he yeah. saw he felt over tall he felt someone somebody die interesting yeah yeah uh argel tall and the the whole of the galvorback are sort of have this not just alt consciousness but they have kind of an awareness of each other they have their own vox link without vox yeah uh and they can tell when they're when like others of their kind die and he died in fire, which is not very pleasant, I would assume. 
No, it's not a good way to go at all. Uh, but the demon's in charge now, so oh. he doesn't pay too much attention to it. Uh, and they're, you know, here he goes killing again. Yeah, the demon moved in, moved to sate his new hunger. And we're going to go to Ishak, who's trying to, to sate a different hunger. Because he had a real bad day. He wants to forget. He wants to be famous. Yeah, he has a bad time now. Uh, and... He is, I guess, taking all the pictures that he wanted to take of the absolutely terrible place he was in and is now sort of running or walking or just trying to get back to a part of the ship he recognizes and not get shot uh, by any of the mortal troops that are acting as security on the ship. Yeah, and where does he go? Of course he goes to where the alcohol is. Yeah, straight back to the bar. Yep, and just trying to get some shots in, trying to calm his nerves. And somebody recognizes him and tries to, you know, have a little small talk. Yeah. And this is really uh, pretty fortunate for a shack, although he doesn't realize it at first, because the guy who's having small talk with is uh, the astropath for uh, the custodians, Absalom. For the Imperati. Yeah. Absalom Kartik. And uh, he's a tragic figure. Yeah, <laughs> of all the people. But this is also something I didn't know. Astropaths, at least he, he's able to pick something up from him. Yeah, so an astropath is made, not born. Uh, so, and they, they talk about this more in uh, The Outcast Dead. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you're, if you're a really good psyker, you'll be, you know, like, you shoot lightning. Like, lightning is your deal, or fire is your deal, or, you know, telekinesis or whatever. Um, but if you become an astropath, whatever that skill was sort of just gets channeled into astrotelepathy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it's not that every astropath can sort of hear somebody nearby's like thoughts but that was probably this particular astropath's like natural talent and yeah. uh it doesn't really get turned off you know yep and he figures out what Ishek saw and he knows it <laughs> and and instead of just coming clean to again the guy who works for the custodians that like yeah man those word bearers they got some weird shit man no, he just tries to leave. Yep, and he's like, yeah, come with me. Ishek, no, 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 no. Astropath, yes, you will. The, the, the custodian will kill everybody. Okay, I'll, I'll join. Yeah, like, you don't understand. He'll kill everyone who doesn't tell him about this. And that's finally what gets him to change his mind. Yep. <laughs> uh, so they go off to see the custodian. Try and tell him what's going on. And we join Dagotol. Well, we join Argotol once again, finding Dagotol. Mm-hmm. Poor Dagotol. Yeah, he uh had a bad time. I mean, he's dead. At least the time is over. Yeah, all well, things considered, he got off light. <laughs> Except for, you know, his soul went back into the warp with a demon already right there to munch on it. So yeah, uh, There you go. Also, Argotol drinks out of a Raven God like a, like a Capri Sun. 
I don't like this image at all, but now we have it all in our mind. He just takes a living <laughs> Raven Guard and drinks him. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, at this point, uh, the battle as such is over. Like, yeah. The massacre has happened. Mercy uh, killing happening. Yeah, he can see some mercy killing in the distance. Presumably, you know, for those of you that know, you know Korax gets away. He has now run far enough that it's sort of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and he's seeing uh, some other members of the Galvorbach who he hasn't had a chance to, you know, get up with. Uh, Torgal, who's just got weird sword arms. Uh, and you get a sense of how good Korax was. So there's 11 Galvorbach left after the Dropsite Massacre, uh, which I should tell Steven, because I feel like he's brought at least 15 in games against me. They make them again. They're not the true ones, but it's good enough. Yeah, they're like Galvorbach light. Uh, but Korax has killed two dozen of them. Yeah. And again, you know, not even fully Galvorbach yet. Uh, Argel Tall was ripping regular Marines apart with his bare hands. So, mm -hmm. you know, Korax had himself a, a bad day, but a really impressive fight. And it seems like Raum is sort of satiated, right? Argeltal is back in charge of himself. Yeah, Raum is slowly going back to sleep. Or going in the background. Fading out, I don't know. It's interesting, but... Argeltal gets more and more awake, but they still recognize each other. They recognize each other with smell. So there's definitely some animalistic stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they mm -hmm. are done. They're tired. They're looking at each other. And the Legion sees it. They talk to each other. They are the blessed ones. It's just a whole bunch of weird religious stuff. Yeah. And they start decrazifying. Um, like as the demons fall asleep, they're kind of turning back into Marines. Um, Argel Tall can get his helmet off. You know, something he, he hasn't been able to do for a while. Oh. Uh, yeah, he enjoys the world's air yeah, instead of the filtered go. oxygen of his warplate. Look at him feeling better about his life. Yeah, all happy and satisfied. He finally did what they were supposed to. They killed a bunch of people. The demon came awake. That's a good day. Yeah, yeah. A good day for a word bearer. And the traitor legions are just running around looting, tro looting the dead for trophies. And even better, Erebus is there too. And he gives Argatal forgiveness. And they're all buddies again. Oh, wait. Argel Tall's a little annoyed at him still. Of course. And, and now now you find out, right? Because this whole book, we know that Lorgar, or not Lorgar, um, sorry, Argel Tall mm -hmm. was like an apprentice to Erebus. And at some point, instead of being a chaplain, became a regular dude. And apparently... The reason why is Argel Tall tried to kill Erebus just straight up? Yeah. I would have killed you had I the chance. Uh, I don't think it explains why. No, it just says that it's happened that he tried to and he really wanted to kill Erebus. But then it doesn't say why. Argel wonders how much of the loyalty is written into our blood. It's just, it's overall what scene because I really want to know why Argotol wanted to kill Erebus, but I don't think there's any explanation anywhere. No, uh, in, in the discussion, Erebus says that 
Argel Tall thinks he believed too far. He went too far in Erebus's methods. So like, is that methods for being a chaplain? Is that methods to train Argel Tall to be a chaplain? But something like it, it seems very specific that something Erebus did or tried to do is what made Argel Tall try and kill him. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe it's in like uh, Lorgar's Primark book or something. Hashtag he deserves it. I don't know what he did, but he clearly deserves it. Everybody deserves every single oh. being trying to kill him. Absolutely agree. I skip, I skip a lot of those parts sometimes because they just talk about books. They talk about the past. They talk about stuff. A lot of their doctrine. Yeah, like they... Erebus uh, let slip that, you know, hey, while you were out babysitting uh, friggin' custodes away from everybody else, we were, you know, learning all about the gods, and we might have purged any word bearer that wasn't on our side. Uh-huh. He doesn't uh, give numbers out, of course not, but enough died. So, yeah. Istvan 3 happened for the word bearers already. Yep probably pretty slowly over the space of 50 years, you know, yeah. Marines that seemed a little too pro emperor vanishing in dark corners or being sent to fight a horde of orcs without any backup and ammo. Who knows? Oh no, the apothecary is late and you got stepped by a wooden stick. Oops. Uh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. The custodes, we have suffered a long exile to keep them alive. Safe and surgical kept them silence. He just wants to know why, and of course, Erebus being the one, he doesn't want to tell him. Still not. Mm-hmm. And we finally figure out what was the thing going on, what they did. The invocation, a spell, sorcery. Ooh. Yep. It's nasty. Erebus has decided he needs him for a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you wonder if this is one of the reasons that, like, you don't let the custodes out too much. Uh, because he pretty much says, hey, uh, like you can't do it with Space Marines. We're too mass produced. We've got too many other shit running around. Uh, we don't have a good link to the Emperor. Yeah. But a custodian. He's a bit closer. Yeah. He's just one removed. It's interesting that, well, at least at this point, a primary was not considered yet. Probably even Erebus knows that Lorgar would lose his pants if he would offer that up. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where he did consider it, but decide probably not something I should ask. <laughs> like, hey, if we got a POW. Son, uh, which of your brothers can we kill? Yeah, it turns out that's probably not a great answer, but... Uh, but that's his master plan. He's going to have some custodes and do some warp shenanigans to get the emperor with him. Yeah. We'll see. And we get another interruption because, of course, right now, the custodes ships, the ships where the custodes are on, arrive. Yep. Arriving and want to get on board the Profundus. And the Argeltals just like fuck it, let them on, it doesn't matter, like, we're coming back, we'll deal with them. Yeah, it's the ship broken, everything's well. We won. He's telling the, he's telling the, God, 
I'm sorry, this is just so mean. Yeah, it really is. And this is actually, I think, one of the few mistakes Argel Tall makes in this whole book is instead of telling, like, instead of just like blasting the custode ships out of space or being like, no, come down to the planet, he lets them go onto De Profundis while there are no space marines there. With the blessed lady in it. Yeah. And yeah, Aqualon, he learns right away what is going on. He knows. Horrible things did happen. As Astropath tells him right away, the Aqualon knows all the Custodes got delayed. Yep. And, uh... Can't reach anybody. Know that something bad. And Ishak is there. Ishak is there to tell the truth. Ishak is gonna become famous. Ishak shows some pictures mm -hmm. oh boy and shows uh, them where or knows where it happened more or less and aqualon mm -hmm. knows we are betrayed who are you gonna go to if you know all the space marines have betrayed are did betray you in fact the whole legion betrayed you who would you go and talk to in this case in the world bearer ship well no space marine is on the ship well, Caro, I think I'd want to talk to the person that's been as acting as their personal confessor for the last 50 years. Oh, that's such a good idea. Right? I bet she knows what's going on. She listened to them the whole time. So yeah, they go and get and want to have a nice little talk with the blessed lady, our dear Sirene. And they are going and will kill everyone that stands in their way. And we don't get to see or we don't follow them while doing this. No, we sit there with Sirene, who's trying to finish some writings. She's just trying to f uh, finish writing. And she greets Aqualon. And there he is, calling her a tra traitorous whore. I don't think she did betray him. I mean, she betrayed. She fought all the world bears. She betrayed the, the being who destroyed the city, took her eyelid. You know? Eh. Yeah, like, she didn't betray anyone. And it's been a long time since she was a prostitute. Like, come on. Oh, come on. I still don't think she was a prostitute. But hey, Aqualon has some kind of, uh, how do you call it, gentlemanness? I don't know code of honor he allows the mates to leave yeah which you know is more than most uh imperial servants will be giving chaos worshippers here in a bit mm -hmm. uh, but it turns out that the word bearers aren't entirely off the ship yeah they're not uh, completely insane and stupid just a little bit just a little bit uh Xenu73 shows up. Uh, he's been hanging out, presumably... Guarding her? Uh, yeah, somebody's orders were, hey, make sure the Blessed Lady, you know, nothing bad happens to her just in case. Um, do you know, we need to make sure it's a member of the Legion watching over them. And yeah, it is Incarnadine. It is. Good old Incarnadine. And we leave as the Custodes, like an Incarnadine, just barely start fighting. Yeah. Because ADB does love leaving us on cliffhangers at like three page intervals. It's wild. It is nuts. 
It makes you flip. It makes you flip through it, though. I tell you what. Yeah, it does. You read real fast, and then again. And we are back of Argot Hall, and they know something is wrong because, oh gosh, Derek has those loose on the ship. If you miss that, you have bigger problems on the ship. Yeah, like there are custodes there. There are no space marines there. The militia aren't, like they don't count in this scenario. So Argotal is kind of freaking out, mm-hmm. uh, gets on a gunship, starts running, uh, wants to know what Xenu 73 is doing. They oh. can't get a reply from him. And he's talking to Rome. And Rome's sleeping. Yeah, Rom's had a big day. He ate a lot. He's in food coma. <laughs> Demon food coma. Once again, we skip back. And this time we skip to the guy who never talks. Mm-hmm. Sithrin? Sithrin. Yeah, Sithrin. And he fights like he always fought. In silence and solitude. Because he doesn't have any friends. Because that's not what custodes are for. Yeah. And uh, one custode dies. One guy, yeah, one guys. One does actually die. Interesting. Calhoun is dead. So, yeah. yeah, we don't even get to see what happened to Sirene because no, it gets skips ahead. Yeah, or even the you know badass fight between a giant robot and four custodians. I don't know how much of a badass fight that is. It's only one giant robot against four custodes. I mean, if the custodes don't get that, then they're real bad custodes. Yeah, but a custode didn't make it out. Like, that's always a good time. No, no, no. The custodes made it out. They die- One of them died in the corridor. Yeah, like one of them is dead, but, you know. And we don't know who killed him. But yeah, we skip, or we go back to Xenu 73. Yeah, he is not in a good place. He's no, dying. He's dying. Shutting down. Dying. It is interesting. The, the long, he's just slowly, part by part, is dying. And he is an adept of the Mechanicus, so of course there are some robot parts in him. It's just very interesting. One by one, they keep talking about what dies. Mm Mm-hmm. Just slowly shuts down. He would have taken no pleasure at all in the irony that his withered organs of meat stove on for half a minute more, still trying to feed life through a body that couldn't process it. So yeah, he would have been real sad about the fact that the weak meat lives longer than all the awesome parts he put in himself. Yep. Although to be fair, neither of those were coming out of a fight with a custode alive. Uh, but Nothing we, comes out of her. Yeah. But we do stay in the room. Mm-hmm. And then Zaffin and Argyle Tall show up. They see it. There she is. Sirene. Yep. Real dead. Split in her chest. And Argyle Tall is ready. Raum is ready. He smells the blood. Let's soon hunt. And they don't even try anymore. And she actually, wow, she, she's still there. And she says one last thing to him. This was my nightmare, she says, to be in the dark, to hear a monster breathe. While Argotal, Raum, both of, the, both of them are kneeling over her. And the last thing she ever says to him is, what have they done to you? And she dies before he can say anything. Yep. And, uh... That's a badass death, man. Yeah, I feel like any uh, lingering hesitation that Argel Tall had about 
you know, fighting or killing these particular custodes are now gone. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He doesn't like Erebus anyways. He knows Logar didn't want to keep them alive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's time for a little hunt. And it's interesting. Round takes over at this point. Argotal is just gone, taken by grief, by sadness. I don't know, but... Yeah, I think he's just, he just loses his mind with grief for a little bit, I think. Yeah, and he get, wakes up to Raum destroying or killing some of the servitors and some of the humans. Yeah, just butchering his way through the crew, presumably while chasing custodes. Yeah, and Argotal tells him not to. Raum promises not to do it anymore. They keep going. They're hunting. And all the Galvorbrak are hunting for the custodes, all of them. And they know they ran. And Safin still wants to keep them alive. Safin still cares about Erebus wants them. But Argotal, I do not care what Erebus wants, sent them to the ground in flames. Yep, Argotal has left his last fuck with the corpse of Cyrene. Yep. And <laughs> Looketh at all the fucketh I giveth. Or however it is. Look at the field in which I grow my fucks, and lo, it is barren. barren. So seven ships begin blasting out in the void uh, in the hopes of blowing this tiny little gunship out of the sky uh, that the surviving custodes are on. And it takes about a minute, uh, but they do it, Mm -hmm. which is pretty impressive. Uh, It's kind of like, you know, using a shotgun to try and kill a fly that's on the other side of the room. It sounds like it would work real well, but it it doesn't. It generally doesn't. <laughs> um, or, you know, with the lances trying to hit a fly with a laser pointer on the other side of the room. Again, it doesn't really work that way. Uh, but they managed to get it. Uh, and Argo Tall is kind of hearing the reports on the Vox about it. And the Thunderhawk isn't outright just annihilated, which is wild. Uh, it's just in an uncontrolled descent. So, of course, they're ready. So, yep, he has the Galvorbot go to the assault deck and get on a drop pod because shit is going down now. Uh, we're jumping down. We're getting into the drop pod. We are landing on the ground. And that's where they meet. That's where Safen, where the Galvorbot are finding the custodes. And Aquilon knows and re- talks to the Crimson Lord, revealing his true self to the one to those he has betrayed. And I'm sure it has to cut deep for Aquilon because keep in mind, Agatol is the only one he trusted. Yeah, for for the entirety of the mission, this is the one guy he thought was a pretty good dude. The only good dude in the whole legion, and oh wonder. Yeah, and he's a demon now, Aqualon. Your choice in friends is bad, and you should feel bad. Agatol doesn't even... He doesn't care. The only thing he cares about is that you killed Cyrene. Yeah, and Aqualon says, I executed a traitor who had borne witness to Elysian's sins. Uh, so, obviously, he regrets nothing. Oh, no, no, re- no regrets. And there's a whole amazing speech in here. How, as a space marine, we were never human. We were never human. If 
as Aqualon clearly says, you bend everything you meant to be human. Everything it meant to be human. No, they are not human. They have never been. Well, they have been human for a few years, but that's it. Yeah, they were born human, but not by the time they get power armor. Yeah, there's no humanity left. There's a long talk. Amkron tries to get him to believe back in the Emperor and the true light, but no, he killed Cyrene. Yeah. And Aquilon is trying to, like, probably not talk him out of it, but convince him that he's, like, he's wrong. Like, no. Like, this isn't, this isn't what we're here for. And Zaphon, you know, starts being like, oh, the Emperor challenged the gods and damned humanity with his hubris. And we can only, like, survive by worshipping chaos and blah, blah, blah. Boy. And Aqualon's just like, you have all been deceived real bad. Yeah. Every uh, time we try to phone ye our emperor, we had an answering machine on there. Yeah. And, you know, Argotal is still, like, all Argotal is saying to Aqualon at this point is, you killed Cyrene. Yeah. To, to be fair, Argotal has some regret. Her feels bad for what they had to do. The ritual they have to do is real nasty. They have to use somebody who doesn't want to be in this position, because if they use somebody who wants to be there, they die faster. So they just use somebody unwilling. It's real nasty. It is not good. Yeah. But there we go. We are ready. There's the clash. Aqualon cries for the Emperor. And to got Borobak just answer with lather, uh, la- lather? lather of demons. Laughter. Laughter. Laughter of demons. Yeah. Mit dem Gelächter von Dämonen. God, that sounds creepy. Do it again. <laughs> Mit dem Gelächter von Dämonen. Yeah, not great. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing Argotal remembers of the battle. Like, pretty much nothing. Just slowly seeing his friends die. Yeah, although probably quickly seeing his friends die. I can't yeah. imagine anyone lives real long. That's true. But he kind of like he doesn't remember the details of the fight except for kind of the order that people die in. So you know, it's a couple of Galvorbach, and then Neralis, the Blade Master, is the first of the custodes to die. Yeah, um, alive for alive. Mm-hmm. And they just kill each other. My favorite, Sithrin, the one who never said anything. He doesn't care about his vow, vow anymore. He is talking, and the great thing he says, I always hated you, Safen. Yeah, I think I would hate Safen too. Yeah, and I mean, he did just impale Safen with his guardian spear, which is great. It is he great. He deserved it. Uh, but, you know, Sithrin's had a vow of silence from the moment he left Terra, and the only thing he says is, I always hated you, Safen. Uh, which is great. Yeah, well, he's impaling him. That's a good point to say it. Then we don't hear or we don't see anything else of the fight. But instead we get the last letter. The last letter Cyrene ever wrote. Mm-hmm. I hear plates against my door. Please remember the... And that's the end. The last thing she ever said. And in the epilogue... There we... I, I, I have a pet peeve about this epilogue. Because what is described here cannot be. How so? It is talking about Kalf, the Crimson Lord, mm-hmm. being at Kalf. He can't be at Kalf. Uh, 
he was with somebody else. No, he said he's not at Kalth. It's just they would reach Kalth soon. But if he's if they reach Kalth soon, it sounds like he's on the ship. I mean, he is on the ship. But they, he is not a Kalth. He doesn't go to Kalth. Why would they talk about him reaching Kalth if he's not there? He's not on the planet. But it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that he goes and like hangs out for a bit. Or, like, meets somebody in orbit, gets a new ship, gets reinforcements, something. Oh, also, Agartal is the last uh, Galborbeck left. All Bratis mm-hmm. are gone. He's the only true Galborbeck left. But yeah, for me, it's always sounded like here that he's getting ready to fight in Kalf. And I really thought Kalf was, um, you know, Erebus and Corferon's job. And meanwhile, Agartal was occupied with other stuff. With our best bromance in the history of the Horus Heresy. Ah, it really is a good bromance. Him and Karn are buddies. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why Betrayer is so good. We'll get to Betrayer. It's a fantastic book. Uh, We can't do all the super amazing books at the first runaround. It's true. But the last thing in this book is Argel Tall, you know, standing there going, man, like my Legion needs me. I, oh, like, yeah, you know, see, I'll, see, I'll see. do it. Sorry, but yeah. the Primarch himself had asked if he would, if he would to stand with Corferon leading the assault on Kalf. That can't yeah. be. I mean, it could be. No, Corferon, in the other books, they all talk about how Corferon is there alone with a bunch of the Legion and they are, you know, have the one job and they can't do it. Meanwhile, he's the whole time with Logar. Yeah, I'm, honestly, it's been so long since I read The Mark of Kalf, I, I don't know what to say to that. Oh, yeah, okay, to be fair, I never read The Mark of Kalf. Until I read this book, I still say this epilogue here is wrong. <laughs> because in Betrayer, they're doing other stuff right afterwards. Yeah, but that's not right after Kalf. That's like no, no, it's at right. Least a, no, no, no. That's right after finding. I mean, Betrayer. I can't talk about this because we've said not to talk about the book yet. All right, we'll I'm gonna have this discussion with you. You're gonna be the one who has to be with me when we read Betrayer. All right, done. Yep, but he's the last. He yep. would obey His- even if he stood alone. And he thinks my brothers are dead. And then Rom no. goes, no. I am your brother. End of book. Yeah. But that that actually, like that last, like, you know, two sentences, mm-hmm. three sentences, really sum up the word bearers, I think, for the whole heresy. They don't, like, they come into the heresy not really trusting any of the other legions after what happened at Monarchia. They just don't like, they think they're all on their own. They're going to do their own thing. uh, And they don't have any friends, but the demons are their friends now. And we all know how great an idea that is. I I still, I can't, one of the things I don't understand about all the legions, which fell because of the word bearers. Why did everybody like the word bearers? Why did they listen? Why did they like them? They were the word bearers. They have been really horribly embarrassed. Why does Horus listen to Erebus? Out of all the bear bears, how could he have? Li- how did he did do all the things? How did they manage to do all the things? 
that's because I think that's the biggest thing for me. A lot of those lo- for the I don't know. I don't like Horus because he listened to Erebus and it's all his goddamn own fault. It really is. And it like it comes back to what I said earlier about them just not understanding that demons lie. No, they don't lie. That's the thing, Austin. They don't lie. They just don't say the whole truth. And then the things they show come true. Yeah, like Horus gets shown a vision of 40K, essentially. So he sees, you know, the emperor being worshipped as a god and the statues of all the loyalist primarchs. And at no point does he think, man, I wonder if the reason there's no picture of me is, uh, well, maybe that's because I tried to lead a rebellion against the emperor and failed. No, he thinks, oh my God, look how I've been betrayed. I've been loyal to the emperor and I don't have my own statue on a pedestal. Well, that's again. Put two and two together, even a little bit. They're superhumans that can't can't do math, I guess. I don't know. They're real dumb. Well, well, it's it's just horrorous hubris, like that. Yeah, we need to talk about this in uh, the first book. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen one day. I don't want to do the first book because then I have to do the second book, and I hate the second book. <laughs> Maybe we could just do like a mini episode. Hmm. But there's so much good stuff in there. We'll see. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been a lot of fun. That is the first heretic. So this was the last episode of the first heretic with Austin. The next book planned in the series is Legions, but I can't tell you yet when this will happen. So just keep reading, guys. I appreciate all of you listening. I would also like to thank our patrons, uh, the Praetor tier Alexev, Nicholas Quenga, Mr. Baldwick, Jacob Dillon, Matthew Boyce, Joss Phillips, Gardner Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, and Chris Mack. Also our Centurion here, Green Cross Wayne and Tensor, Minions by Applesauce, Scott LeMay, Andrew N, Black Label Painting, Angry Boy, John Christensen, and Mark Henry. And last but not least, our Sergeant here, Nicholas Billen, Aaron Maynard, Garrett Lou, Travis Smith, Duncan, and Emily O'Hare. Thank you very much, and you guys are awesome. Thanks for listening to another podcast from the Remembrancers Retreat. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can also find our swag store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash RR30K podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at RR30K podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Remembrancers underscore retreat. You can also visit our website, rr30k.com, for podcast updates and the Battlefleet Heresy Compendium. You can also leave us a voicemail for us to play on a future podcast at 1929-437-3791. That's 1929-HERESY1. And you can also leave us an email at the Retreat at gmail.com. Thanks again.